Good morning. It is Sunday, July 22nd, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast and other ancillary topics. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on ITW, we react to the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby. We examine the impact of the Manny Machado trade to the Dodgers, and we take a look at the first four games of the Cubs' five-game series with the Cardinals at Wrigley Field. But first, let's wrap up the World Cup. Let's put it to bed. Did you watch the final? I did. To their own, but this one was. Um, it's um, you know it was interesting on a, on uh, from a cultural standpoint to see some countries that weren't in the World Cup and some of our countries that we follow were also uh, or I should say were in the World Cup and then some of the co- the countries that we follow were not in the World Cup such as the United States. I know that you were a big fan of Argentina. I was kind of following Mexico. Both of our teams got knocked yep. out, uh, and uh, I know you weren't real happy with France because of. They're uh, flop diving, yep. but yeah. uh, but I but I think that they're a young, um, athletic, up and coming team, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were a major power in four years because of their youth. No, you're right, and they were deserving as champions. I mean, they were they were just simply better than everybody. Um, Croatia had to suffer through a lot of overtime games. I think that probably sapped a lot of their strength. And, uh, you know, they, they, they needed every ounce of energy they had to even keep up with France. So, you know, I think it was inevitable. And congratulations. Viva la France and all that. But uh, <laughs> let's, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out. Your, your sarcasm is dripping <laughs> right out of your mouth today. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll get some French toast later today, I guess. I don't know. But, nice. but, uh, nice. but let's move on. I hope it's burnt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's go, go on to why we're here. And uh, let's go right into baseball. This week was the All-Star Game, and uh, we had the Home Run Derby. Usually this is stuff that I, I just completely avoid. But uh, Javi Baez and Kyle Schwarber were in the Home Run Derby, and it turned out to be pretty exciting. I mean, this year was must-see TV, eh? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the Home Run Derby has always been, um, you know, in the last 20 years since they've kind of made it a primetime event, in some instances it's overshadowed the uh, all-star game itself in many instances, yeah. actually, because a lot of times the all-star game is uh, anti-climatic and uh, that wasn't the case this year it was actually a pretty decent all-star game, but you're right. The home run derby uh, this year had an added flavor with Baez and Schwarber. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, Schwarber really represented the Cubs pretty darn Very well. well. He looked great. You know, he got to the finals. I mean, Baez did okay. But he got beaten, um, and then I think who was it that beat him? Muncie, Max Muncie beat him, and then up and coming yep, hitter. Yep. Up and and then Schwarber hitter. took it all the way to the finals against Bryce Harper. It looked like Harper was going to lose. You know, he had, right. he'd only had like nine home runs. He had less than a minute left, but he started going on a tear. It was interesting because I was listening to it on the radio as I was driving to uh, to a pool hall, and uh, the announcer was going eleven. 12, 13, four. and then finally he ties it on the last swing of regulation, and then in the bonus time he hits his 19th to seal the deal, and the hometown crowd, you know, they got a big thrill. But one thing I thought was interesting 
is the announcer said, that may be the best moment for these fans this year. Talking about how, <laughs> you know, implying how the Nationals have sort of underperformed, which I thought was kind Without of interesting. So, so it was all good. Well, and also, yeah. Jason Benetti was the announcer, right? He was the announcer. Like, well, ESPN was the main broadcaster, but then on ESPN2, they had kind of an analytics-based broadcast with Jason Benetti and Eddie Perez, and I, I turned to that, and I sort of enjoyed that. And they even brought in Bill Nye, the science guy, to talk <laughs> about the science of hitting a home run and what backspin and what topspin do to the flight of the ball. It was really fun, and, and I enjoyed that. It was nice to see Benetti getting some of that airtime, and, uh, you know, it just sort of I, – I enjoyed it. And um, it was really funny because, you know, as I'm listening to it on the radio after I'd left the home, after I'd left uh, home, they were talking about how, um, you know, Schwarber, he had taken one of his timeouts. And uh, they were coming over to him and coaching him. And at one point he's like, hey, wait a second. He's on FaceTime. He's FaceTiming someone. You know, and it was probably Rizzo FaceTiming Schwarber right in the middle of the home run derby, which I thought was pretty funny. And then, you know, uh, and then the, the last thing I wanted to mention, too, there was a great article on Fangraphs about how uh, Bryce Harper cheated because right. his father would not wait until the, the last home run had landed before he delivers the next pitch. And he hit right. like he hit nine home runs on, 10, on his last 10 swings to, uh, to tie and then eventually win. And, and she examined this a little deeper. And her point was that, you know, it may have been a violation of the rules, but the problem is that as the rules are written, there's no penalty for violating the rules. And guys right. had been were doing it. They were they were violating the rules all through the derby. So that was interesting. Correct. And, and this is not new. You know, I, just to take a step back. So the home run derby back in the late fifties and the early sixties was a weekly television show. Right. The old bla- black and starts, white show, right. and and it would be Harmon Killebrew this week against Mickey Mantle, and it would be the traditional uh, home run derby rules, which was it was a nine inning game. You had you know one inning, you get three outs, and and the next guy would get three outs, and it would go you know, until nine innings were over. Um, and I can assure you that there was no cheating back then because the ball, I, I, rec- I remember this vividly because I watched almost all of them the, um, in reruns, I should say. Um, <laughs> but the ball, the ball would have to fall in the outfield before the pitcher would throw the next ball. So I, I think this is a non-event because the rules obviously have changed over the years. It's a lot different. It's more compact. It's more for um, the, the instant TV crowd that are probably staring at their phones and not paying attention anyways. Um, so I think uh, this is kind of a non-event, you know, yeah. and Schwarber, the class act that he is and will always be immediately congratulated Bryce and would hear nothing about the cheating. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah. And, and, you know, that, that said more about Schwarber than it did about anything else. And uh, I don't blame Bryce Harper or his dad at all. No. The, to me, the most amazing thing, as I saw it on a, on a replay, is just, you know, his father's no spring chicken and he, he's quite the, quite the limber guy for being able to, you know, to, and obviously he's been playing with Bryce since Bryce was a little kid. So, um, yeah, I thought it was, it's all good for baseball and the idea of cheating is ridiculous. No, it is is ridiculous. It shouldn't even have been brought up. Well, well, it was just, it was brought up because uh, a lot of people were pointing it out on social media and she wrote this article and she, right. I read it. And it was, uh, you know, I I think it was very interesting just how, and, and at the end of the day though, it was a fun show and the hometown fans 
you don't went home happy. So who cares? Right. Exactly. Right. Right. So then there's the all-star game itself. And again, usually I wouldn't ordinarily tune in, but Baez and Contreras were there and Contreras, Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. He has uh, now the distinction of being the only player to homer on the first pitch of his MLB career and the first pitch of his all of his first all-star game appearance, which I think is kind of a nice little distinction. It is, and it shows that he, you know, he looks for a fastball on his first pitch. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, the, you know, I, I'm with you as far as like the the being a fan of the All Star Game. When I grew up a kid, as a kid, I never missed the All Star. No, game. nor it, did it was I. Must watch no. television. You know, I, the first All Star Game I can remember was the 1970 All Star Game that that uh, Pete Rose won in extra innings by barreling over Fossey, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. And then in 71 was one of the classic All-Star games of all time. I, I went and recently read a long, long piece on all of the All-Star games and which ones were the best ones of all time in anticipation of this show. And the 71 uh, one was definitely, I think it was like 15th or 16th. I thought it was actually higher. And it was because, you know, you saw guys like, uh, first of all, Clemente's last all-star Last All-Star, run. yeah, right. Um, and uh, and uh, an absolutely mammoth home run by Reggie Jackson, who did something I've never seen as a Tiger fan. It was in Tiger Stadium since, um, even though a couple guys have cleared the roof at, the, at Old Tiger Stadium. But but uh, Jackson actually hit the lights. Yeah. Not, not the light pole, the lights up at the top, and they, they anticipated that that was – almost a 500 foot home run. Yeah. Um, and so when it actually happened, even the announcers were like, they lost track of the ball. That's how they had to go back and see it on a replay and to pick up just how uh, big of a home run that was. So, um, you know, and then you kind of fast forward to 1999's all-star game. That's when uh, it was in Boston Fenway park. And that was the last appearance of Ted Williams. Um, and Ted Williams came out, and if you remember, Tony Gwynn was uh, yes. kind of the ambassador of the game at that point, and they kind of, uh, you know, Ted and, and uh, Tony were big friends, um, which is saying something because Ted had like about two friends on the whole planet. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, you know, it was kind of poignant to see Williams throw out the, the first pitch, and then that particular All-Star game, according to this article I read, was the greatest All-Star game of all time. Ended up being a 4-1 to win by the National League team. Um, and so, over the years, there's been some really good All-Star games. I, if you re- recall, through the 70s and through part of the early 80s, the National League they, basically they killed won them. every yeah. game. Yeah, they did. But as of, as of late, the American League has kind of been the uh, better of the two leagues in the all-star game, but you're right. Some of them have been downright snooze fests. And I think I'm to the point in my age where I don't like the all-star break because it interrupts the baseball. It does. Yeah. It it drives me crazy. The the only worst time of the year for me is when the baseball season is over, (laughs) but, uh, but, but this is not my favorite time of the year. And so I was just elated to see uh, that the, uh, you know, that the Cubs were the first game when it came back. But there was a couple of interesting things uh, that occurred uh, in the All-Star game. And I know know you wanted to talk a little bit about Josh Hader. Yeah, the first one was definitely Josh Hader. He embarrassed himself in probably one of the worst ways possible. And in addition to that, he also didn't pitch very well. And uh, he, 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 there were these tweets that were unearthed, unearthed back from when he was 17 years old and he would, he, he used all this profanity. He hated gays. He used the N word with reference to blacks. 
and it came out while he's pitching in the All-Star game. And, right, right. and so as this is all sort of filtering through the Internet, you know, his parents find out about this. They're at the game. They're wearing hater jerseys. They have to take them off or turn them inside right. out, which I thought was just unbelievable. And well, what would have been or should have been a very proud moment for them turns out to be a really, really bad one. You know? Well, actually, what they did was they just changed the D to T. Uh, to hate her and, oh, uh, and then and turned them inside out. No, it, it, you know, in the world that we live in today, uh, I feel bad for a lot of the young people today because if they had Twitter when I was a kid, oh. I would, I'd have those kind of problems today yeah, too, yeah, quite right, frankly. Right. And so, you know, some of the players, on, at least on the Brewers, were commiserating with haters saying, and, and African-Americans that were saying, hey, you know what, people say a lot of things. I've said a lot of things. Um, and they were kind of uh, somewhat forgiving of him. But – Again, it just is another, you know, I guess as I would say to you, as you raise your kids, you better be careful what you say on social media yeah. because it will come back to bite you. If, it, if you think it's bad, if you have to think twice about it, don't post it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And, but, you know, whoever uncovered them and whoever released them, I mean, they picked the worst moment to bring these to light. I thought that was very interesting as well. I mean, they were really saving these up. I mean, if he didn't right. make the All-Star team, what would, he, what would he have? Whoever had done this, would they have waited until uh, they were in the World Series? I mean, come on. But um, now there was something else, too, kind of uh, interesting. And it also exposes, I think, the big winner in the All-Star game. At one point, um, Matt Kemp doubles, and he's standing on second base, and uh, Baltimore Orioles shortstop and All-Star Manny Machado comes over to second base and takes a selfie with Matt Kemp. Right. And right. and this turned out to be an omen for Machado ending up being traded to the Dodgers. And and I thought the funny thing about this whole the, the whole thing is that the big winner was social media. You know, with all the yeah. things that were <laughs> happening on social media with Hader and Schwarber being on FaceTime during his timeout and then this. I mean that was really funny. You know Yeah, you know, I I, I love the fact that baseball because they can be so uh, constrictive at times right. uh, is so is so relaxed with uh, with the younger players and allowing them to kind of enjoy this moment. To, to me, I think it's all of this stuff is great. This game is meaningless as far as I'm concerned. You know, they could they. I, and the other thing too, which I thought was really cool, is miking up the oh, players. Oh yeah, I was about to I, say yeah, I, yeah, me too. You know, and I, I and I got to tell you. I think they should think about doing that permanently. I would love to see here. I'm serious. I'd like to hear, and, and that would really liven up baseball if, if a few players that wanted it were, were able to be, you know, mic'd up. I think it could maybe change the perspective and maybe get, gain some more insight into uh, what's going on. For example, they had Trout um, wired up yeah, at one yeah, point. Yeah, while he was standing and, uh, in the center. And, and he was calling the pitches. He's like, here comes a slider right now. Um, you know, here's the best player in baseball who, by the way, was under scrutiny at that moment because, you know, there was this big uh, hubbub about the commissioner coming out and saying, you know, uh, we can't we can't make Trout a bigger uh, brand if if Trout's not willing to help himself. <laughs> and the fact is, you know, Trout's kind of a throwback guy. He's he a, is. He, he he does, is. You know, in, in his off time, he likes to chase uh, storms, which is kind of odd. But he's not he's not a guy that's going to be you know, hosting the ESPYs anytime soon. And, and so he doesn't need and, and, to, he doesn't feel he like, doesn't need yeah. to. I, I think this is just, again, another non-story, but, it, but it was something that was looming over the all-star game. But I just, 
thought that that was kind of cool that they had some of the players mic'd up and, and, and just hearing their perspective. And I, I just think it's kind of interesting, and they may want to look at this a little bit further down the road, as the technology will permit it. Now, now did you hear, though, too, and moving on, Keith Olbermann had kind of an interesting uh, proposal to improve the All-Star game. And did you see anything about this? No, what did he okay, so, want to so, like? He wants he wants to sacrifice Trump. Out in the... <laughs> <laughs> no, what what he wants to do is is he wants to create four all star rosters made up of seventy two players. So you have four rosters of eighteen players each, right? And then you play two three inning games. All right. So the first two teams play a three inning game, and whoever wins that game will 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 sit, and then. The other two teams play a three-inning game, and whoever wins that plays the winner of the first three-inning game, and they play a final three-inning game with their 18 players, and whoever wins gets to share $5 million and hack it up between the winning team, the players on the winning team. And I thought that that was kind of interesting because his point was that if you, if you have 72 All-Stars, there, there's none of this kind of well, this guy deserved to go or that guy got screwed over or whatever. You just bring all the good players, assign them to four different teams, and you play it that way. And then if it's tied at the end of one of those three-inning games, then you implement that whole thing about starting the runner from first base or whatever, starting the inning with a runner at first base. You can start doing all those nutty things that you proposed initially that everybody was so up in the air about but this would be the perfect place to sort of try it out. I, I liked it. I thought it was an interesting way of looking at it. So I, I, I got to be honest, I have mixed feelings about that. If you remember, and, and maybe you don't, but there was a time when there was two all-star games. There was a, there was a, te- there was a game one and a game right. two. It occurred for a few years in the late 50s and the early 60s, and they finally scrapped it. Um, it's an interesting idea. The, here's the problem. If, if I guess if I ran the world, there wouldn't be any all-star <laughs> games. You, I just think, and I will tell you that I think that baseball it, it has the the best, most honorable all-star game of the four major United States sports. Uh, football is the most ridiculous it one. Is. Football Football's is. A it, it, I don't even. It's a complete disaster. It's an it's an injury waiting to happen, and I don't even know. What, I think they've they've tried everything with the football one, letting the players pick the teams, all kinds of silly stuff, and it still really hasn't changed the fact that when you play the game after the Super Bowl, people are just still you know, trying to, you know, lose the weight that they gained from the week before, and they're not really interested in watching that game. Uh, and so I, I understand what you're saying, but if you if you had to play the first three innings against the team you're trying to advance, aren't you going to put your best pitcher in there? Well, yeah, what would happen right. in the second would, game? You know, yeah. just, it, it raises questions. No, and, and, that's, and that's really the danger, isn't it? So, all right, so let, there, there was a big trade, too, and when we, we referenced this with uh, – with the selfie between uh, Matt Kemp and, and Manny Machado, but Manny Machado was traded. The, the Orioles traded him to uh, Los Angeles. And this is the biggest, this is the biggest player traded, I think in this, in this trade market for 2018. And I think the Dodgers are lucky to have him. And I think he could make the difference in a tight uh, National League West race. Uh, not just that he's one of the, the best position players traded in the last 10 years yeah. at the yeah. midway point. This guy is young. There's nothing he can't do. He can play every infield position, um, and he's a gold glover at that. Um, he's, you know, the only the only criticism of him is that he could lose some weight. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. But but I think but I think that's a mild criticism based on his production. So 
the Dodgers gave up five players, of which um, the, apparently the centerpiece is a, is a young player, player by the name of Diaz, um, who I think Baseball Prospectus has as the 13th or 14th best prospect. So the Dodgers, it, it, as it turns out, in two or three years may have given up a, a fair uh, uh, amount for a player who can walk at the end of the year. Yeah. Remember, the Dodgers have the rest of the year to try to sew this guy up. And it won't happen. You know, He's going to go to free agency. He said that. You, you know, I, exactly. And, and it could be the Dodgers, but they're going to pay extra. They're going to pay even more. When I look at the Dodgers, I'm not so sure that's the player that I would have taken only for the fact that I think they've got pitching problems, not hitting problems. They're very similar to the Cubs in the sense that their pitching staff which is has been stellar over the last four or five years is not as stellar as it was four or five years. Just like the Cubs, uh, you know, once you start throwing a lot of innings, you you pitch a lot of playoff games. Your your staff your staff takes a you know a, a kind of a beating there. And and so I you know I've got questions about Kershaw. And so if they think that they're going to win the World Series with that roster, they're not going to beat Houston, and they're not going to beat. Boston. No, I don't That's think so. I don't line. think so either. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And so if they made a half season decision, then they paid a lot for Machado, in my opinion. Um, if, in other words, if they can't sign him, I know the Cubs had had little to no interest in him. Um, he's they just not the right fit for have, the Cubs. They were reported to have made an offer, but I can't see them. Uh, it was a mild offer yeah. because that's not who they want. They want like Chris Archer yeah. or, you know, somebody like that. So I, I, you know, just speaking about the Machado trade, good for the Dodgers. He immediately upgrades their offense yeah. and, 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 with, and he upgrades anybody's offense and their defense, quite frankly, but I'm not so sure he helps with pitching the baseball. I just, one other point about this too. I thought it was kind of cruel that uh, the Dodgers in their first series after the All-Star break is against the Brewers, who were also in pretty deep and trying to land Machado, who they, right. they lost him to the Dodgers. So I thought that was kind of uh, kind of a slap in the face. That's the way it goes. So uh, moving on to the Cubs, the Cubs are embroiled. They're, they've just completed the fourth of five games at Wrigley Field against the Cardinals. It's been, I wouldn't say a good series. Um, no. No. But uh, but it certainly has been an interesting one, and there's a whole lot of stuff to talk about. But let's begin with the Cubs making an acquisition of their own. They get uh, a right-handed reliever. Actually, he's a swingman. Uh, Jesse Chavez comes to the Cubs from the Rangers, and I thought right. that that was kind of a nice addition. Just somebody who gives them additional flexibility in the bullpen and the starting rotation. You know, we gave up a bag of balls and some score sheets for yeah. him, so it wasn't like a huge, a, a huge uh, uh, load for the for the the Cubs to want to to give to give to the Rangers, and the Rangers aren't going anywhere, and so that it was a good move for both teams. I'm not so sure what he's going to do to help our team because, quite frankly, the the back end of our bullpen is hit or miss. You know, uh, you know, we'll talk about it in a second, but I'm so I'm so tired of Wilson. You know, it, I could pull my hair out with this guy because he just can't get the ball over the plate. He's got a young, lively arm, but he cannot throw strikes. And and again, last night he caught the ball yeah. game. And and so, but you know, to go back to that series, I had very high hopes that you know the Cardinals just uh, fired Matheny and and. I, you did, you, as, as the Reds found out this year, you never know what happens when you get rid of your manager. It can go one of two ways. In the case of the Reds, they actually played better under Rick. They've played a so, lot better, yeah. Uh, 
and so I don't view the Cardinals as being that great of a competition for the Cubs. So I've been disappointed. And I certainly was disappointed when the Cubs got slightly edged 18 to five yeah, yeah, on Friday. I know that game I mean, was funny though, because it was, you know, because the Cubs had Stella pitch, yeah, Stella pitch, Caratini pitched and uh, you know, and the Cubs had chances to score a lot of runs. I mean, Baez left like seven or eight men on base. You know, if he comes through in even one of those situations, I don't know. It, maybe the Cubs uh, are taking part in the slugfest as well, but it, it didn't work out that way. Although Jim Deshays had a great line. When Victor Caratini comes in, he comes in to pitch, right? And then later on, the Cubs are at bat, and he gets up to the plate, and he's batting in the pitcher's slot, and he singles. And Jim Deshays says, you know, he, he should probably call for a jacket, you know, which I brilliant. You know, yeah. you should have done that. So that was a good that, line. That's good. That, you know, the one thing that I love, I love about Madden because he reminds me of my, uh, my baseball idol, the Buddha, Buddha, Sparky Anderson, Sparky's theory on baseball games was if you're going to lose, lose big. Yeah. Don't lose one-run games. Those are the ones that are going to keep you up at night. If you're going to lose, lose big. And Sparky used to do stuff like that, too. However, he didn't often put uh, position players in back in the day because there used to be a theory that certain guys would, would could hurt their arms right. trying to pitch that were like, you know, Jose Canseco comes to mind. So, um, But I, I love Madden's spirit in games like yeah. that where he's like, okay, let me turn my cap on backwards. We're going to get goofy yeah. here, uh, you know, and, and – the result is we just want to kind of get through this game, and it's basically a laugher. Um, and that part I love because typically what happens is the Cubs come back from those games. By the way, this is not the first time they were crushed this year, yeah. which is a little bit alarming because if I recall in 2016, they never got crushed in their World Series. They did, so, actually. There was a bad start by Lester in, in, in New York against the Mets, but that's another story. Well, you know, the, the, speaking of Lester, so Lester is the guy that, that was involved in the Friday game. And so, you know, people that I've been talking to here up in Michigan are like, you know, is it because Lester was at the All-Star game? And I'm like, no, he, he didn't pitch. Yeah. You know, the guy didn't pitch, so it, it can't have anything to do with that. It, 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 it could be that, you know, he, it just it, it upsets his rhythm somehow, all the travel. I'm not exactly sure. But he looked awful. He did. And, in fact, his ERA, his ERA went up like half a run. It went up more than half a run, I think. He was in the two fives, and now it's like three, three fourteen. So, yeah, no, he, <laughs> he really – yeah, but that's the way it goes. I mean, right, the Cubs right. are, are – nobody shakes off these losses better than the Chicago Cubs. And True. sure enough, they came back the next day in a doubleheader and won the first game uh, yesterday, which was a lot of fun. And uh, but But before we get to – before, because the Cardinals even it up by taking the nightcap. Do yep. you think we should put Chris Carpenter in the Hall of Fame? I mean, my God. Well, I know. Well, he's actually done something that nobody's ever yeah. done at Wrigley Field, and that is that he. Uh, well, but the other thing is they don't. The Cubs don't have many five-game series against. But but he, either. But in but a four-game series, he's hit six home runs or something. I mean, right? Like, Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter, not, not Chris. Carpenter. Carpenter. That would be even more better yeah. if it was Chris Carpenter, but. Yeah, I mean Matt Carpenter hit three home runs in the eighteen to five slaughter, and uh, I believe he is the first and only player to hit uh, six home runs in a in a, a, a series against the Cubs in at, at Wrigley ever yeah, of any yeah. player. And, and <laughs> so. yeah, no, he, he's having the best series any opposing hitters ever had at Wrigley Field, 
And then he also became the second player in baseball history to have three home runs and two doubles in the same game, joining right. Chris Bryant, who had already been the only person who had done that, which I thought was kind of fun, yeah. too. Yeah, no, that, that I did not know that, but I'm not surprised because Bryant is is a special player. Yeah. So. Well, hopefully they'll come back and get him tomorrow. I mean, the nice thing is the Cardinals have uh, the Cardinals are seven and a half games behind the Cubs and uh, it's going to be difficult for them to get back in the race despite the best efforts of their new manager Mike Schilt. Uh, so uh, well, well, t- today's matchup the the final game is maybe the two best pitchers um, on each team right now, even though I have to say I was shocked by Chatwood's performance yesterday. Know, he I really know. pitched well. He pitched well, but, but uh, he did walk. Can, can, he walked six guys, though, but still. You know. Yeah, well, of course. Quintana pitches uh, for the Cubs, and uh, uh, what's his name, the guy that went to the All-Star game for the for the Cardinals? Mar- oh, not Martinez, uh, but Ma- Waka? No, no, no. Waka? No, 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 no. Uh, I think his name is Maradas or something like that. But he, oh, he was their yeah, all-star. Oh, uh, Miles. Yeah, Mikolas. The guy they signed Thank from you. Japan. Thank you. For, yeah, I so, so that should be actually uh, a very good game. Th- those are the two best pitchers right now, um, even though Lester would take exception to that. Uh, but but, but Quintana has been pitching really, really well. So hopefully they can pull this one out because, quite frankly, you've got to beat the Cardinals. They're not that good. I'm not that impressed. No, they're, they're a bad team. Uh, Carpenter they, withstanding. Yeah. Uh, they're not that great. No, I mean, yeah, they, they kick the ball around a lot. And, you know, I, I just think uh, they, they do need to win these games. But but at the same time, you know, it's not critical. All right. So uh, let's talk about baseball history. I've got a couple. Most of the stuff that I found out was uh, pretty. You mean this week this in baseball? This week in baseball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of it was related to the All-Star <laughs> game. And most of that history we already all know. But. There were two items that were not related to the All-Star game that I thought were kind of interesting. The first was on July 22nd, 1906. The Reds beat the Phillies 10 to 3 behind Bob Ewing's complete game. Now, his teammates do not register a single assist on defense. So that means every out had to be either a strikeout, a fly ball, or a ground ball back to the pitcher. Now, I tried to dig a little deeper into this game. And and every time, you know, so I, every search I did would come up with dozens of websites that had a mention of this game. But the problem is, and this is the issue with doing research on the Internet in, in this day and age, not only did they all have the same event, they all had exactly the same sentence. The sentence was, Bob Ewing's complete game, his teammates do not register a single assist on defense and there's just it's that sentence and that's it. That's all I could find, which I thought was kind of weird. And it was just like somebody copied and pasted it a dozen times on a dozen different websites. Well, well that's the that's the dark, dark web. You know, there, there used to be a softball team called the King and His Court. Oh, yeah. Where they where uh, and they traveled uh, throughout the United States. And I believe there was three players. There was the pitcher who was a, a softball Hall of Famer. They had an outfielder slash infielder and then a first baseman. And they, they won, I want to say, 65 to 70% of all the games that they ever played. Hmm. That's how good they were. And that's what it sounds like here is the fact that you had, you know, players that were um, spectacular and then other players didn't really do much all day. That, that's what I would guess is what happened. Uh, and also when you have a pitcher like that, maybe he was, maybe the hitters were hitting basically to the same spot, but uh, that was a game that, you know, I did have season tickets, but I missed that game. 
<laughs> you sold them to uh, sold them to some friends. Sold them on StubHub. So I took Joe si- Joe Sidewood on my on my stand. Okay. All right. Now the <laughs> second one. This is a little. This is a little darker. But on July twenty second, two thousand and seven, Tulsa Drillers first base coach Mike Coolball is killed instantly when a line drive strikes him in the head in the top of the ninth inning. Leaves behind a pregnant wife and two children. He is only the second on-field fatality to occur in the history of professional baseball. And, of course, I have I to know. ask you, what was the first? Ray Chapman. Right. In 1922 or so. Who killed him? 23. Yeah, uh, Who killed him? It was a big daddy pitcher, too. Who, um, who feels he should be in the Hall of – who felt that he should have been in the Hall of Fame but wasn't, not, wasn't put in because of this incident with Ray Chapman. I don't know his name, but I know that this impacted him for the rest of his oh, yeah. life. I, I read a long, a long piece on this many years ago. But Chapman is the only other player, which, if you think about it, um, that's kind of remarkable yeah. based on the fact that the baseball is, uh, itself, once it's hit, is a weapon. And it can I'm, – I'm just surprised more pitchers haven't been taken out. But so who was the pitcher? Carl Mays. Oh, that's right. Mays. Carl Mays. Right. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah. May, and there's some there's some actual YouTube videos of Mays in, from the 1950s on black and white TV where he, he, you know, talks about it. Or at least there's one documentary little thing where you can uh, read up or see on him. And uh, it's, you know, sad, sad event. But like I said, I'm just shocked that it just it doesn't occur more in all honesty. Oh, hey, you know what we didn't talk about today? And I'm sorry to sort of backtrack here. There was a real there was a, an argument. In the dugout between uh, Steven oh, yeah. Strasburg and Max Scherzer. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. I eventually did see it. First, I read about it overnight, and then I saw it. And, and knowing as a Tiger fan that Max Scherzer, first of all, he's nobody to mess with. No. I'm, t- I'm going to tell you that right now. He will you come know, and tell two, you, fuck got, you, to your face. I mean, not, yeah. not just that. He's got two different eye colors. Yeah. So if he's standing in front of you, you're, you're automatically – and in, in in, in on the defensive against the guy, but he, he's he's kind of an obstinate guy sometimes. So you got to be careful uh, with him. But uh, Strasburg just got off the DL and was pretty roughed yeah. up in his first start off of the DL and kind of sulked his way into the dugout. As when he walked into the dugout, Scherzer put his hand on his back and I guess was trying to offer some comforting words to him. And it appeared to me, I can read lips, but I couldn't read these lips, that uh, Strasburg took exception to it. And then Scherzer, being the class act that's about to kick your ass that he is, said, let's take this yeah. uh, down into the training room, yeah. and which they did right yeah, away. Did. And so um, I, liked the, I liked how Martinez reacted to it, which is the way you have to react, that, hey, this is our family, and what happens in our family is none of your damn business. You know, basically that was the way he kind of handled it, and it's, it's a non-event, which in the clubhouse it is a non-event because lots of times guys go at each other. You should see how it is in the NFL. Yeah. They have flat-out fistfights. So they do. It's, it, it's just the interesting thing is it's what you alluded to earlier when you were talking about the All-Star game, and that is that – could be one of the highlights of the Nationals year because they definitely are struggling. And if the season ended today, they're completely out of the playoffs. In fact, I don't see a way in hell that they're in the playoffs. They haven't talked about selling any of their players, but they should be getting rid of, uh, of, of, Bryce, because there's no way he's resigning. No, I'd bet big money. So it's just the Nationals are a perplexing team. I think that maybe the frustration between uh, Scherzer and Strasburg is a microcosm of a much bigger issue on the Nationals. Well, you know, I saw the video too of the conflict, and it looked like, you know, and I guess I'm I'm just speculating here that maybe 
you know, Strasburg was complaining about, I don't know, the, the pitch, the pitch selection or the umpire. And it looked like Scherzer was like, why don't you shut the fuck up and start taking responsibility over what you can control? You know, and- yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to think it was that way. But when I looked at the video, he, Scherzer didn't Scherzer looked like he was more comforting because he again, did he initially, touched, he t- initially, yes, he touched him on the, you know, patted him on the back, said, you know, it's all right. So whatever it is, they need, you know, will it be the catalyst to turn their year around? I don't no, think so. No, no, <laughs> no. They've they've already had the obligatory team meeting. And whenever that right. happens, a right. team is just right. down the drain, pal. Down the drain. Well, anyway, all right. So that's 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 it for today. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with more baseball talk. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Tom, always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. All right.